Hello and welcome to Food Systems, a podcast from the Forum for the Future of Agriculture, where we discuss new ideas that can shape a sustainable food system from farm to fork, from policy to consumers, and everything in between. I'm your host, Robert Agraf, and you can find us on Twitter at Forum for Ag. These episodes will be available every other week on all major podcast platforms. Before we get started, we'd like to say a quick thank you to the FFA founding partners, the European Landowners Organization and Syngenta, as well as the FFA strategic partners, Cargill, The Nature Conservancy, Rabobank, Thought for Food and the World Wildlife Fund. Please enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome back to Food Systems. Today we're talking to Christine Gould, the CEO of Thought for Food. Thought for Food is a next generation innovation engine for food and agriculture. And over eight years, they have helped launch 60 startups that have raised over 200 million US dollars, created a global community of 20,000 young entrepreneurs from over 170 countries. She's also on the advisory committee of the UN Food System, uh, and Thought for Food is a strategic partner of the FFA. Christine, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, today, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, startups in the food system. It's a growing market. Uh, according to Forbes, startups collectively raised more than 20 billion US dollar in 2020. And you've just come off the Thought for Food Challenge 2020, where groups of startups race or compete for the best idea and for startup funds. So what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned this year, especially at a time of, of Corona? Sure. Um, yeah, indeed, we, we take a different view about what is needed for successful startups in food and agriculture. Of course, startups are all the rage. They have been probably for the past decade, you know, uh, and we've seen a lot of like um, amazing stories coming out of Silicon Valley. But in food and agriculture, what's required to make a dent is um, very different than, for example, software or fintech or some of these other exciting sectors where you see unicorns popping up all the time. Um, and, you know, that uh, were disruptive, um, that is actually seen as a positive thing in the world of startups and innovation. But like I said, it's different in food and ag. And what we try to do at Thought for Food is actually um, really address the specific needs of this sector. Uh, when you're working with growers, no matter where you are in the world, there's a different appetite for risk and there's a different value proposition. So we equip the entrepreneurs that we work with to be able to understand how to create value for diverse types of growers um, around, you know, around the world uh, and especially for smallholders. We also, you know, help them position their technologies, um, you know, correctly, again, to address the needs that the sector faces around environmental sustainability and increased productivity and, of course, uh, protecting and enhancing human health. We also um, understand that there are regulatory issues, consumer acceptance issues, and more, which create longer timelines than the typical you know, uh, software startup may face. So we're trying to support entrepreneurs uh, over like a longer time horizon and really, again, help them through entrepreneurship is by nature very risky and it's a roller coaster journey, but it's particularly, you know, um, I would say difficult or challenging in food and ag. And so we really try to bring a unique, unique focus on the needs of this sector and supporting startups in this space. 
what we do actually also, which is very different, is we not only support existing startups, but we also help to catalyze their creation. So we run uh, an innovation competition that takes place every year, um, and it's called the Thought for Food Challenge, otherwise known as the TFF Challenge. And this is kind of a call to action for people who want to solve the big challenges facing our food system. And um, we provide them with training and support and mentorship and um, all kinds of tools that they need to develop an idea or take an existing startup forward, again, to address the specific needs of this space. And we ran this year's challenge and saw 10 amazing startups um, that were selected as finalists. And uh, like you said, we allowed them to pitch their ideas on a global stage um, for the chance to win prizes from ourselves and a variety of partners. And it was really an incredible experience. It was very impressive. I watched uh, part of it myself. I just wanted to go back to some of what you were saying, which is um, the difficulty and then sort of the unique challenges faced by especially startups in the, in the food system. There's a lot of farmers out there, and certainly if you're talking about smallholders in the developing world who either have not that much access to sort of high technology uh, in, in the first place, and certainly among many farmers, there's always a caution to adopting new unproven technology, putting money into something that may not work. How do you help startups overcome those specific sectoral uh, barriers? Yeah, so what we do, which I think is really special and really needed in the food and ag space, is we help to catalyze locally relevant solutions from the ground up through global collaboration. So the people that are developing the solutions for their food systems come from the countries, come from the areas uh, where the problems that they're trying to solve, um, you know, are present. And so what we've seen in how to transform smallholder farming is actually really interesting because um, the entrepreneurs we work with, which are from the next generation, you know, they have grown up on the farm or near a farm. And so they deeply understand the, the context, right, of where they're working. And some of our successful startups have actually been uh, catalyzed by young people um, whose parents or grandparents are farmers. They've seen the opportunity that digital tech can uh, bring to transform their farms. So they've kind of done this like reverse mentoring. So they've built the solutions and then they've gone to their parents or grandparents and said, hey, look what we can do for your dairy farm. Look what we can do for your vegetable farm in terms of like bringing digital tech. So that's been actually really, really interesting to see how young people are able to build bridges across generations and bring new technologies with a strong value proposition to smallholder farmers around around the world. And the other thing that we do, because we are so focused on the next generation, is we like tap into their inherent ways of working, attitudes, and skill sets. So we've built a digital platform that connects all of these young innovators around the world with each other so that they can share best practice, knowledge, ideas, lessons learned with each other, again, to accelerate their local innovation efforts. We're not looking for that one startup that's going to go out there and like scale and take over the world. We're looking to say scale can happen through sharing of knowledge and ideas, right, in these local contexts. And that's been a really successful piece of our model. Well, let's talk a little bit about those those lessons learned. I mean, you've been with Thought for Food for over eight years now. What are some of the really big lessons that you've seen that start most startups in the food system sector could or even should take take to heart when they're setting out on, on their own adventures? 
Well, it, exactly. This is a great question. I think there's a lot of really important lessons. And again, what we try to do is allow people who've been at the front lines of developing innovations and taking them forward, share their lessons with each other. In fact, in the world of entrepreneurship, failure is not seen as something bad. It's seen as a chance to learn and fail forward. So we actually hold in the Thought for Food community things called fail fests, where we celebrate failure, <laughs> um, not for the sake of it, of course, but again, to, to take innovation forward, to learn from it. And so the other people don't replicate mistakes. So it's a, it's a fun way. Also, it's very therapeutic to bring entrepreneurs together to talk about, I tried this, it didn't work. I pivoted and here's what I did. And here's what did work. And you'll see that there's this kind of common mentality among people who are driven by innovation to say, again, that failure is not something to be ashamed of. It's something to learn from and to celebrate. Some of the lessons that we've seen, that's an interesting question. I think the number one thing is that when you are trying to deliver um, you know, a new product or technology to a farmer, it's really important to start with the problem. Uh, too often we see in the world of food and agri-tech that it's technology looking for a solution. Um, but when you really have a problem to solve and you deeply understand the needs and perceptions of farmers, then you have a, you know, a better chance of uh, really you know, making a business out of this that can be successful. So we, I, I mentioned the digital platform that we've built, which allows people around the world to collaborate and accelerate their innovation efforts. We actually have developed a module on that platform called WTF, Where's the Farmer? And it actually equips uh, innovators around the world with kind of best practices on how to engage farmers in the innovation process. It's based on something called design thinking, which is, a, is an important methodology in innovation, which again is really about starting with the problem and then developing the solution based on the problem to solve, not the other way around, which we see too often actually. Um, so yeah, it, the WTF lab is something we built, again, because we saw this as a big lesson that uh, many entrepreneurs um, you know, were experiencing, and we wanted to make sure more uh, people in this space understood that. Where's the farmer? I think that's a good point to continue. We've, when we were doing some of our research for this episode, I mean, we looked at some startups, and we also looked at sort of sectorally where the different startups are, are concentrating, not just on the farm level, but sort of throughout the, the food chain. And we did see that there are some areas that, at least in my perception, seem to be quite crowded. Things with drones, uh, data interpretation platforms, food delivery, I think is probably one of the ones that even our listeners will know best. So where is the gap? If you look at, at where sort of this, the, farm, uh, the, the food system startup scene is right now, where do you think, well, maybe a few more young entrepreneurs, not enough people are paying attention there? Yeah, it's a great point, something that we think about a lot, because one of the core values that we stand for in Thought for Food is collaboration. And collaboration means a lot of things, but in the food system, it can mean collaboration with incumbents between startups and you know big players. It can also mean collaboration between startups, which is something that isn't necessarily pushed for by investors. You know, every investor, typical VC, is wanting a startup to kind of own the space and do everything themselves and become this, you know, scalable unicorn. But actually, what can really create impact for growers and, you know, for the issues that we care about in food system transformation is different um, 
startups who bring different pieces of the puzzles together to work together and to create, you know, something that's greater than the sum of their parts and to do what they're best at, right? So we're also trying to foster that kind of new approach to say, again, how can we get not just a million more drone companies out there, but like if we are trying to enhance sustainability, um, you know, on a farm, how can we get drone companies working with hyperspectral imaging companies, working with data analytics companies, and everybody brings their piece of the puzzle together. That is really, really hard to do. I'm not saying this is like an easy uh, problem to solve, but it's something I think we need to be encouraging more of and less of me too innovation in the market. Um, so this is something definitely that we are exploring um, and I think digital provides a really interesting space, you know, to take a very fragmented industry and get, you know, to bring it together, right? So that more sharing and collaboration can happen. But we need to have that mindset shift and that attitude shift to make this something that we're working towards. And I think that the, this is something that I, I think we're seeing maybe a little bit of change happening, but VC is just not set up to be perfect for food and ag <laughs> because of these unique challenges. So um, this is something I think there needs to be more education in the investor community and you know more types of people coming in and demanding this and how innovation happens. Well, let's talk a little bit about that uh, VC, the venture capital money. Certainly, that's something we've not only seen in the food system, but certainly, in, as you say, in the digital sphere and other places, that there's a lot of money being put into the system right now. Do you think, is there a connection between what we're currently seeing in the sort of broader financial system of very low interest rates, a lot of quantitative easing, central banks essentially pushing, flooding money into the system? Is there a connection between that sort of ease of access to capital and, and sort of the, the increase not only in VCs, but also in startups itself. Yeah, I mean, I think that indeed, like, it's an interesting time for investment. There is a lot of money out there. Um, is it going to the right part of the innovation life cycle, I think, is a question that needs to be asked. There's, you know, depending on where you are in the world, there's like a lot of um, investment happening, like post Series A, then there's like, um, in other parts of the world too much maybe at the, you know, seed series A level. So I think it's important to look at like, where do we need to be funneling innovation so that we have better companies, you know, throughout the life cycle. And one of the things we face, I can talk about specifically in Thought for Food is that, you know, we really, um, we are supporting, we have programs that support startups at various stages of their life cycle from idea through to investment. The hardest space for us to get funded is ID, is the idea stage, that super early stage. But it's also a very important stage because it fills the funnel, right? It's like the way innovation works is very much like biology. You have to have a lot of messy things happening for something beautiful to emerge. And so, um, but unfortunately, there's not a lot of interest in that super, super early stage by investors. Um, typically that's done, you know, by governments. Um, and as a global organization, there's not like one government that we can go to to say, hey, you know, support global innovation at the super early stage. Um, so this is like a challenge, but it's also something I think we're seeing, you know, people waking up to and realizing that we need to foster you know, a lot of innovation early on um, and then, you know, allow this kind of like, yeah, plethora of innovations to move forward and hopefully spark um, the change that we need uh, later on. All right. So let's take that 
sort of forward? We, we Let's presume that there's a startup with a good idea of some variety out there. What, what we do see a lot of in the current environment is that, as you say, it's not that common for the unicorns in the ag tech world to sort of continue on their own path and, and fully develop as an independent enterprise. And what we do see quite a lot is that if their idea is good, they do tend to get bought out by bigger entities in, in various different worlds, either ag chem or existing big ag tech like the machinery world. To some farmers, that does suggest that it, there is a maybe not a monopoly, but almost sort of an oligopoly of the big companies that will also sort of continue to, to, to buy the good startups. It, it, how hard would it be for a startup to really develop itself and, and maybe not become like a direct competitor of a, of a global multi-billion company, but sort of a really a serious new entry into this, this quite limited field, which requires so much capital? Yeah, it's a very interesting question because everything that we've set up for the food system is, you know, based on scale and efficiency. And so that is why you see this sector with, you know, even though there has been an influx of startups and innovations over the past, you know, decade, but particularly in the past like eight to, you know, eight years or so, um, and a lot of investment going in, you're still seeing the sector dominated by a small number of companies, right, who've been operating kind of with the same ways of working and thinking for, you know, decades. So um, the question is, like, how do we, how do we change that? And how do we, you know, get more innovation? So like you said, there is um, the typical exit for a startup in this sector is not IPO um, at this stage. There's a few great success stories of food tech companies IPOing and ag tech is, you know, there's a couple of stories there. But um, the for the most part, it's uh, really about an exit through some type of acquisition, right? And so... This, yeah, it's it's a great question. So we're now talking some of the more higher levels of success of, of the startup companies. What are some of the characteristics, you think, of startups that really break through, that either allow themselves to be bought out or, or get sort of a significant amount of, of funding? Um, what makes some startups work, makes them big, you know, after that first initial hit of investment and, and success? Yeah, well, I definitely want to just like hone in on the area that I know well, which is like thought for food, impact focused startups. So across the board, to answer your question specifically, what makes startups make it big, I think is resilience, right? And the ability to like, you know, continue to um, shift and pivot as needed, right, for changing markets and, you know, needs. Uh, and we see that, like, across the board. But I definitely think for the kind of startups we are working with at Thought for Food, which you remember, we're not just looking for the investor investment ready, you know, perfect startup, we're looking for the one that can really make a dent in food systems. And so this type of startup, we see it's uh, people who are driven by a why, by a passion, and this makes them unstoppable. And what we've seen this year with the teams that we worked with in 2020 in the COVID crisis was, you know, Entrepreneurship, as I mentioned at the outset, is like one of the hardest, you know, spaces to work in. Entrepreneurship in food and ag is particularly challenging. Then you put on top of it a pandemic and you're a young person working in an emerging economy, you know, and this is like 
one, you know, this was completely something that could have, you know, made them sink and sink, you know, forever. But these guys didn't stop. They found creative solutions, right, that allowed them to find opportunities in this difficult economic uh, condition, in these difficult climates that allowed them to support their communities. Um, I was just thinking this morning about one of our entrepreneurs, Fabri, in Indonesia. Um, at the start of the year, you know, his business, which is supporting uh, small uh, food vendors in Indonesia, a market that's not really paid attention to by uh, most businesses, um, you know, was affected by climate change induced floods. And then came COVID. He actually contracted COVID himself. But this didn't it's a rough year, exactly. And, you know, he's, he's picked a problem that he deeply understood. His mom ran a food truck in, in his village in Indonesia. She was getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning to go source produce that she could use to sell in her truck that opened at, you know, 7 a.m. and stayed open until 10 p.m., right? And she would make, like, a couple of dollars a week doing this. And so he said, I want to solve this. How can I more efficiently get fresh produce to these small food vendors in my village while also supporting growers who, you know, aren't getting access to a market. So, you know, like I said, this isn't a problem a typical, you know, business would support and solve, but he understood it deeply and built a business around this. Um, And, you know, watching him like pivot through the year has been really incredible. And he's recently called us to let us know he's been partnering, you know, with a delivery service that's helping him scale his operations. Um, And actually the delivery service is a newspaper delivery service. So he's thinking out of the box too, to say who else is like, has, you know, motorcycles that can reach people, et cetera, you know, can help me do this more efficiently. And so, um, you know, these are the kind of like roll up your sleeves, get it done solutions that we see from our entrepreneurs. Now, this is not, like I said, I mean, we have some like great stories in our network of like, you know, the type of businesses you will hear investors get excited about, right? The ones that are raising $10 million and, you know, like have massive scale. Like his is not one of those that is an obvious investment opportunity, but it ha- it solves a real problem. So we're here to support people like him, as well as, you know, the kind kinds of companies that go on to collaborate with the Syngentas and, you know, bears of the world by bringing ag tech, digital tech to growers. So this is what's really special about Thought for Food. And what I see across the board with the startups we work with is they're purpose-driven and they're impact-focused. And this allows them to make, you know, a real dent on the issues we care about in a way that is extremely inspiring and motivating. And like I said, allows them to collaborate and inspire other entrepreneurs around the world. Well, we're coming up on the end of the podcast, and as I think our listeners will know by now, we always ask everybody who comes on the the same final question, which is, what is your one solution or your one idea to create a more sustainable food system? My one solution is to find a problem that you care deeply about in the food system and, you know, dedicate yourself to that. In my case, it's around how to foster more innovation and collaboration because I believe that this, you know, will lead to all kinds of diverse transformational solutions. Um, And so every day, this is what I do, what I think about, what I 
put my energies and efforts towards. And I don't have a one-size-fits-all solution. I don't believe that exists. I believe diverse solutions from all over the world by all kinds of people will make a difference. And so um, I suggest to the listeners out there to find the thing, find your why <laughs> around food system transformation and, you know, do whatever it takes to, to nurture that, support it, and, you know, galvanize the world um, with your vision. I think that's a wonderful note to leave it on. Uh, Christine Gould, CEO for Thought for Food. Thank you so much for joining the Food Systems Podcast today. Thank you for having me. And to our listeners, have a great day. Have a great day. You've been listening to an episode of Food Systems, a podcast brought to you by the Forum for the Future of Agriculture. Look for us in two weeks when we release our new episode. And in the meantime, please don't forget to subscribe on your podcast app as well as on Twitter, at Forum Fag for updates on this podcast, news, as well as FFA events. Please check out our website, www.forumforagriculture.com, for more great content. Thank you for listening, and enjoy your day. Thank you.